You're now listening to the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast. And that's right, Garage Guy Chase is on vacation, so you're stuck with me, uh, Chef Boyardine. And, you know, our NASCAR content has been flowing consistently here for several weeks. It's been a crazy year, so Chase uh, decided to take the weekend off. Um, And since there's no race this weekend, I decided to take a, a basketball edition of Garage Guys Fantasy Sports um it just seemed like a good time to take a break from nascar and i was uh excited to to bring on a guest that i've had in mind for a while now so if you're here for our normal nascar content don't worry it's coming back i know we have new hampshire coming up sunday so be tuning in we'll be getting right back on the horse um for all your nascar needs over here at garage guys and also over at rotoballer so um, yeah, I'm ex- excited about the basketball return. I'm a huge NBA guy, and our, our guest this week is going to be a senior editor at SI.com, Sports Illustrated, um, Dalton Trigg. He also is a uh, host of a podcast that's very successful called the Step Back Mavs Podcast. So basically this entire thing is a, is a breakdown of the NBA. Um, it, was, it was great catching up with him. I know I enjoyed it. So if you've been looking for some basketball content, this episode's for you. If you hate basketball, this episode's probably not for you. Um, but before we get started, just remember to, to drink Drip Drop. I'm not going to go into the ad read. just going to say, drink Drip Drop. I'm going to drink some for Chase right now for not being on the episode. And remember to get over there um, and use Garage Guys 20 as the code to get 20% off your, your Drip Drop. Without further ado, I welcome in Dalton Trigg. All right, guys. Now we welcome on Dalton Trigg from SI.com, senior editor for Dallas Mavs, and also the host of a great podcast called Step Back Mavs. Uh, Dalton, what's up, man? How's it going, Drew? Glad we got to catch up for a little bit. It's been a long sure. time. For sure, man. Well, give us the cliff notes, you know, how we were in school and you basically had to like find all the answers to tests and quizzes and you basically would do what you can uh, to find the cliff notes online. Give us the, give us the cliff notes of, you know, how you got into writing about Dallas Mavs and just give us all that. Yeah. I, so I graduated from Southern Miss in 2016 and uh, you know, I, I, I worked all throughout my time at Southern uh and, uh, you know, when I took a lot of online classes and then once I graduated, you know, I just had like this, this gap, you know, where I was at one point, you know, dedicating all that to my online classes. And now I had this gap where I needed to, you know, do something else. And I've always loved the, the Dallas Mavericks and it's been a real passion of mine. I mean, you know, this from when, you know, when we were in school together, uh, I would always try to, you know, go to a game anytime I could and everything. Well, anyway, uh, I said, well, I think I'll try to try to write about them a little bit. And I got my start. Uh, a guy named Michael Lark, really nice dude. Uh, he he was with uh, Mavs Fanatic at the time. And they're a Dallas Fanatic now. 
and super nice guys over there. Enjoyed my time there. Uh, so I got that's where I got my start. And then I moved on about a year later to Mavis Moneyball. Uh, spent about a year there. And then for about the last two and a half years, uh, I was connected with uh, Mike Fisher, who was at the time with 24-7 Sports. And he owns DallasBasketball.com. And then about a year, about a year and three months ago, uh, he got signed signed on with uh, Sports Illustrated. And so DallasBasketball.com became a Sports Illustrated channel. Uh, my co-host for the Mavs Step Back podcast, Matt Galatson, we started that pod uh, in January 2019. So when Mike Fisher made the move over to Sports Illustrated, we came along with him. Uh, the podcast gets featured on Sports Illustrated every week. And, I mean, it, yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before, but, uh, you know, it's it's been it's been quite the ride for, for four years. I wouldn't have thought, you know, when I started as just a hobby, you know, yeah. writing a few things here and there for Mavs Fanatic that it would have turned into this, but it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know for me, I've listened to a few episodes and definitely found uh, them insightful. And I know you've had – uh, one guest that I want to talk about, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So uh, I, I know that you had Mark Cuban on. So talk a little bit yeah. about that, just the opportunity, how you met him and how basically it's a story where you, you got to take your shot when you can to get somebody's uh, contact info. So. Yeah. So uh, I try to go to anytime the Mavs play in new Orleans, because, you know, I'm here in seminary, Mississippi, really close to Hattiesburg. We're about, about a two-hour drive from New Orleans, which is a lot faster than going seven hours to Dallas. But So every time the Mavs play down there, I make it a point to go down there and watch them play. Uh, so there was this one time we were down there. We had uh, My wife and I, we had tickets behind the Mavs bench. And uh, Mark Cuban, he was sitting behind the Mavs bench that night. And, you know, he was walking down the road. He was talking with fans and everything. So – you know, I I stopped him. I introduced myself to him, told him what I what I did, and uh, you know, I ended up getting his email. And you know, he was just like, "Well, if you if you ever have any questions or anything, you know, feel free to shoot them uh, shoot them over to me." And I was thinking, you know, at the time, it was just like, "Wow, is this <laughs> is this really happening?" Right. And uh, like we were talking about earlier, you know it. You, when you send that first uh, that first email, you're kind of thinking, ah, well, you know, he's not going to respond or he's going to be like, who the, who the heck is this? <laughs> and, uh, and he responded, and, you know, we've we've had a pretty good, you know, media relationship ever since. And, you know, if I ever have a question, I'll shoot it over. Sometimes it may be something he doesn't want to answer, and he'll, he'll tell me to keep it off record or something like that. But, you know, for the most part uh, – he's helped me out a ton and uh, I'm really grateful for that. And then, like you said, we've, we've had him on the podcast. Uh, if all goes well, we should have him back on the pod in a couple of weeks after the Mavs have played, uh, you know, about half of their Orlando bubble game. So we'll see how that goes. And one more time for the listeners, that's step back Mavs and you're basically on all outlets, right? Yeah. yeah all the major outlets. Uh, we, we might put them on YouTube. Really, we don't put much on YouTube anymore unless it's a Zoom call like this. Uh, but, you know, it's on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. For sure, for sure. 
So everybody make sure you go ahead and give that a listen, subscribe, review if you, if you feel like it. Um, I know for a lot of people that listen to us, Dalton, they're here for NASCAR NFL, but with NBA returning and, um, it just seems like the best time to be getting into, into NBA talk right now for me. Um, I know there was no NASCAR race today, today's Sunday for, for those listening. So I thought it was the best time to, to get Dalton on, talk a little NBA and, and definitely give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter, Twitter handle, Dalton? Uh, easy at Dalton underscore trig, T-R-I-G-G. So be sure to do that. It's going to be 90% probably mass talk, but you do talk some NBA, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm big on anything NBA. I'm I'm Mavs specific most of the time on there, but I do talk, you know, NBA in general too. For sure. So I know we we um probably talk ninety percent NASCAR right now and ten percent football. We're gonna be gearing up for, for football, but um one thing we did cover in depth here on this podcast was the Michael Jordan documentary that came on in the perfect time of the quarantine. Um so I guess I wanted to get your, your basic thoughts on that and maybe how it can bring in some new fans or shed some light on the old game when there's a lot more fouling and a lot more pushing and shoving and just get your thoughts on that story. Well, like you said, it was, it was perfect timing uh, because I think if I remember right, I think they were set to release that like a month and a half later than what they actually did. They moved it up because of everything that was happening with the, the virus. And uh, it was great. I loved it. Um, yeah. You know, I obviously I didn't get in, you know, Michael Jordan. He was in the middle of his dominance when I was born. So, it's, you know, I, I didn't grow up watching all that. But I've watched highlights, of course. And, you know, my grandfather uh, on my mom's side of the family, he is a huge basketball guy. And, you know, I'd spend most of the summers with him. And so, you know, he, he'd always tell me about Michael Jordan and, and Larry Bird and, you know, all these legends. And then I'd go do my, my homework on them and everything. So uh, I love the documentary. You know, yeah. the, they interviewed, you know, all the guys, you know, like uh, Charles Bar- Barkley. Yeah. Uh, you know, Scott Pippen, which is, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated teammates of all time. You know, he would have been a top – in my opinion, he was already a top five guy when he was playing with Jordan, and uh, he was still underrated somehow. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I love the documentary. I, I watched every single episode. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it now because I saw it's on Netflix now. They just uh, yes. there a few days ago. So I loved it. It came out at the perfect time uh, for, a, for, you know, for a moment in time where we didn't have any sports whatsoever. And especially for me, because I'm mostly a basketball guy, it was just perfect. I loved it. Yeah, it was probably one of the favorite, one of my most favorite things put on TV in general. And then definitely my favorite documentary. I know I loved it. We recapped every episode. It got my co-host Chase really back into basketball. He never really was a big basketball guy. Um, one thing that I definitely, um, I guess the best way to put this was that it confirmed for me was there's something very, very similar about Kobe Bryant DNA and Michael Jordan DNA. And this, this documentary to me kind of confirmed that for me. I think I already knew it cause I'm, I've always went back and watched the old stuff, but this documentary really brought that to light. I think for a lot of people. Yeah. And I don't know, I've, I don't know who made it, but I've seen the clips before where, you know, they've pieced together clips of Kobe and MJ and their turnaround jumpers and everything. It's identical. Like just their, uh, 
just the way they move and everything is, is just almost exactly the same. And uh, speaking of Kobe, I'm actually, I'm glad that they were able to, you know, interview him for this documentary. He had a moment in there. It, yeah. you know, they probably would have wanted more, but, you know, with his tragic passing and everything, uh, it was just really nice to see him in that. And they interviewed him for it. And I'm sure, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, he's, he's glad he has that to look back on now. Yeah, definitely, man. I know my favorite, you, you talked about some of the on the court stuff, but one part I really liked was the off the court, just seeing their leadership styles. I mean, I, both of those guys were so tough on their teammates, but it's, it, it worked in a way that I'm not sure would work in today's uh, culture, but probably yeah, probably not. But I like seeing it personally. It, it kind of resonated to me, you know, when I used to play sports, but the closest, if I had to, just my opinion, but the closest to that style of leadership in today's game would probably be Jimmy Butler. And we've already seen where that's gone bad on a handful of occasions. So, I like that comparison. And it seems to be working, though, Miami. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a perfect fit for him because, you know, they're, they're, they've got a tough culture down there. And, uh, you know, it's one of those – I read a piece one time where it said that their conditioning regimen – you know, during the off season was just like unreal. It's something that no other team does in the NBA. And that's right up Jimmy Butler's alley. You know, he's, <laughs> if, uh, if a teammate, if a teammate's not given, you know, hundred percent, he's going to call him out for it and be one of those tough nose old school type of guys. And it works, it works in Miami, but you know, in Philadelphia and in uh, Minnesota, it just, you know, it didn't work trying to do that with guys like Carl, Carl Anthony Towns and yeah, uh, you know, Ben Simmons and all that stuff. So. Yeah, they've been one of the surprises. I remember when I saw the Heat sign to him, I was kind of like, I don't know how it's going to go. But, I mean, he seems like a spolster guy to me, kind of like you said. And um, not, not to get too far away from Last Dance, but uh, this is how this probably podcast is going to go with me and you. Um, in, in closing on Last Dance, I will say – that if you're interested in that, we had a lot of good recaps in prior episodes. And um, I think my favorite one or one of our favorite ones was the Rodman centric episode. That was really, really crazy. So I want to get your thoughts on that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, and then just seeing like Carmen Alexa putting up with him and stuff like that. That was hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I always knew he was a character and I mean, you hear stories and everything, but you know, during just random times, he just decided he wanted to go to Vegas or something. Just he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that wouldn't ha that wouldn't work today. I mean, no. <laughs> anybody that would put up with that. I don't think any of that success happens without Phil Jackson, just because he was able to um, manage somebody like Robin. No other coach would have done that except for Phil Jackson. So, anyways, yeah. man, moving on from from the documentary, even though we could probably do a whole episode about that. Um, I just wanted to get your – I guess let's start like super broad for a lot of our guys that don't watch NBA or don't listen to NBA. Let's start with, you know, we have this bubble restart, and I think everyone knows that. Everyone knows about the restart. Um, what do you think about it overall? Do you think it's um, – the NBA's handled this restart well? Do you think it's going to go well? Just give me your, your kind of overall thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, I from the beginning, and, I, you know, I've, I've – I have a lot of people that uh, – that follow me, I follow them and everything. And it, they're, they're not, they're NBA people, but they're not exactly Mavs people. But I've, I've seen a lot of people 
before it got started, they were saying they had a lot of skepticism over it and saying that, well, the NBA just needs to cancel their season and move on and everything. But, you know, on my side, I'm thinking, okay, Adam Silver, he's a super smart guy. He's, he's done pretty much everything right up to this point uh, since taking over for David Stern. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, they were consulting with all the, you know, professional medical people and getting all their opinions before they formulated this plan. And, you know, I'm sure that they got everybody's feedback on that before they actually finalized it. And sure enough, it's working for them. Because I, I saw the other day uh, there, there have been no positive tests in the bubble yeah. since, I think, July 13th. So, I mean, it's obviously working. They're, they're social distancing. They're wearing masks. They're staying in the bubble for the most part. Lou Williams, he decided to go to a strip club <laughs> today. <laughs> and so now he's quarantined for like 10 days, I think. But other than that, you know, it's going pretty good. <laughs> yeah, man. You're predicting my next question. So that's funny. Um, I knew it was going to come up and we like to do things pretty informal here on Garage Guys. So um, what do you think about like the restrictions are put on these players and kind of I mean, how many times or how many funny stories do you think we're going to hear out of this, out of these restrictions? I know that uh, Lou Williams is the most recent one, but overall, I think they're going to be so strict on them that they can't even get fast food and stuff like that unless they go through protocol. Um, and for me, right, Lou Williams, right, he went to a funeral and also went to a strip club. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, so supposedly he had there was there was a death in the family and he went to the funeral and everything and then you know the strip club was just a detour and then uh so Jack Harlow the the hip hop artist rapper he he uh posted a picture on Instagram of <laughs> him and Lou Williams at the strip club and immediately deleted it and then uh, tried to say that that was an old picture, even though it wasn't. Well, then Lou Williams admitted that he was there, but then he tried to say that he just went there for the food. Uh, <laughs> Didn't he say, like, the wings or something? Yeah, like the, the wings. Uh, catfish nuggets is <laughs> one of, one of the funny. mentioned. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we'll have too much of that. I'm, I'm surprised it was – in hindsight, I shouldn't have been surprised, but – uh, I, I kind of thought James Harden would be the first one to uh, <laughs> to get yeah. in trouble doing something like this. But, you know, we still have to keep an eye on Harden. We still have to keep an eye on J.R. Smith <laughs> <laughs> with the Lakers. So, I don't know. I don't think we'll have too much of it. But, you know, these eight games, these eight seeding games before the playoffs are going to take about two weeks. So, I'd say we might hear one story a week, maybe. I'd put yeah. the over you're at like 0.5 <laughs> yeah I, I had a funny tweet I put out um at one of like the sports books and I was like hey can we please get odds listed out for who's going to be the first player that contacts the Chris Paul hotline and I think Chris Paul's on the hotline right there's some kind of like a yeah. Yeah, they, well I don't know I don't know who's over that or anything but uh CBS sports and if if y'all go to my go to my Twitter uh, homepage at Dalton underscore Trig and just scroll down a little bit because a few days ago I posted a video CBS Sports uh, on their TikTok account that posted a parody of like NBA players calling into the the snitch hotline. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm not going to try and talk through it because the video is so much funnier. But go check that out. <clears throat> For sure, I'll definitely do that. I know I'm. 
I'm always looking for a good laugh. And I know that the the hotline, if there's some drama, if there's some drama that this quarantine bubble uh, has like some playoff implications, then it's going to be pretty funny to watch like Twitter uh, unravel. And, you know, I would hate to see somebody lose their spot in playoffs because a player decides to go too far to like Uber, uh, get Uber each or something like that, you know? So. Yeah. Cause I mean, there was talk about, I think it was a, uh, Richard Hunt, I think his name's Richard. Richard Holmes for the Kings. Yeah, and he yeah. he stepped over the bubble line just to get some delivery, some some a food delivery. Yeah, I saw and that. He had to quarantine for ten days. So, yep. I, honestly, I thought the Lou Williams situation. I thought it could have been more than that, or even you know the team ended up suspending him or something. But I guess they worked it out. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that for sure. I think it's Rashawn Williams is like the center for let me say Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento. Yeah, he um I saw that. What's the um I think I know the answer, but we have a lot of listeners from the, the Louisiana, Mississippi area. So do you have the latest on the Zion watch? Is he back in the bubble? He is. Uh he's back. I think that just happened yesterday. Either yesterday or the day before. Personal family matter. They said he was uh you know, he was taking daily tests uh coronavirus tests and he he never tested positive so he's back now uh and i think he's i mean he he should be ready to go for this restart uh i don't think i don't even think he's played in a scrimmage yet but he he'll be ready to go for the restart and i'm a i'm a mavs guy but you know i'm i go to i go to pelicans games every time the mavs are down there and everything so if i had to say like i have my second team it would be the Pelicans, and I mean Zion. He's he's unbelievable. Like I can't. That, that's going to be one heck of a Southwest Division rival with you know him and the Pelicans and Luke and the Mavs for many years to come. Yeah, the big thing with him is always going to be health. You know, I, I just hope that he stays healthy. I think there's a lot of people that speculate on his body type, but you know, for me, I'm excited about his career. I think he's going. He's already slimmed up a little bit, and I mean, he's just so dominant that. I don't know if we've ever seen anything like him, honestly. I don't have a comparison for Zion to me. I don't, maybe you have a comparison. As far as body type, you know, he's still – I think he's still, you know, even more, you know, freakishly athletic than this guy. But you remember Larry Johnson? Yeah, for sure. The Hornets, Wabat. That's kind of what he reminds me of. It's like a super Larry Johnson mm-hmm. as far as body type and everything. And, you know, if he can uh, – you know, over the next few years, if he can develop some kind of jump shot just to keep people honest, I mean, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, I will say. He's already unstoppable, really. I mean, but if he gets a jump shot in there, it's over. It's kind of like Giannis. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I will say that I went on record and said, and I still look – I don't think the – the jury's still out and the jury will still be out for two or three years. I never jumped the gun. But I did say that I think – that I thought – John Morant is going to end up being a better um, overall player than than Zion, and that's more. I just don't know how Zion's going to play out, um, but I am interested to see how how that unfolds because I think both of them are just in store for greatness. Honestly, so kind of reminds me of the Trey Young, Luca thing, but not. I mean, not from player type, but just from both are going to be so good that it's going to be an argument that takes place for a while. Yeah, I, to your point on Morant, I think. I mean, he's been – I figured he'd be pretty good, but he's been far beyond, you know, anything I, I thought he would have been uh, in year one. And, uh, you know, to me, his style of play, his athleticism, uh, 
the way how springy he is. He's kind of like what I had hoped for Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, coming out of college. You know, the Mavs drafted him. He was part of that Kristaps Porzingis trade. Uh, uh, you know, it it didn't turn out the way they they wanted it. He had some nice you know sequences here and there, but that's kind of what I was hoping. You know, John ja Morant is what I had hoped for Dennis Smith Jr. at the time, but I. I'm glad to see him doing it. The whole Southwest division is just nuts. You got the Mavs, the Rockets, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans. Who am I missing? The Spurs. Well, they're kind of falling off right now, but, you know, it, it's it's crazy over there. Yeah, they're one of those teams they should be falling off, but with Pop there, you just never want to count them out. But any other coach, you'd probably be counting them out. So um, they're, they're still alive, right? I think they're like – I have to look at the standings, but I think they're like three games out with eight, eight seeding games. So, I mean – <laughs> the fork's still not all the way in them yet. Yeah. But see. For sure. Well, let's give like a – give me your – treat us all like dummies here and give us the the breakdown. I know we have eight games, right, to decide the, the playoffs. And I'm going to let you answer this better than me because you probably keep up with it more, even though I, I think I have a good idea. So, between the both of us, we're going to piece this together. But the Western Conference playoffs – Seems like to me we have seven teams that have pretty much locked in their spot as a playoff team, just not the seed yet. And then everyone else is playing for that eight spot. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, right now the Mavs are the seventh seed. And then they've got like a almost a six-game gap between them and Memphis in the eighth spot. And then Memphis all the way down. I think they've got – you know, you've got the Pelicans, you've got the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Kings – you know, all of those teams are within three, three and a half games of each other. So, it's really just a race for that eighth seed. Um, I guess technically the Mavs could fall down to eighth, but they'd, they'd have to lose like every game in the bubble. I don't see that happening. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're the seventh seed, but they're closer to home court. Home court in the bubble. <laughs> they're closer to the fourth seed in the West than they are the eighth seed. Right, right. I knew um, – I would kind of checked out the standings. And I do follow the NBA pretty closely. Um, we just don't talk about it much here. So, I wanted to start with that breakdown of the Western Conference. Do you have an idea about the Eastern? Eastern Conference, that's pretty much set for the most part. I know the, uh, the Wizards, they would have had a shot to catch the Nets for the eighth seed if uh, – but Bradley Beal, he's, he's not – he, he didn't come to the bubble. So, he's out. Uh, that pretty much ends there their chances in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, but Brooklyn has a lot of guys out too so you never know but uh, I think it's pretty much said in the east for the most part <sighs> yeah they I mean I think Dinwiddie's out right he's out um, Durant's yeah. out Irving's out so they got basically Karis LeVert and some other role players so yeah. I guess I mean when you I mean when you look at both of their rosters I guess it's, <laughs> it's possible the Wizards could still catch Brooklyn but I think uh, I think it's more you know, that one through eight, I think it's going to stay how it is right now. Where in the West, you know, I could definitely see the Pelicans getting hot because uh, I've looked at their schedule and it's not necessarily, you know, that difficult. Uh, I could see a team like the Pelicans catching the Grizzlies in the West, but in the East, I think it's going to stay the way it is. Yeah. Yep. I know for me, and since this is a fantasy sports podcast, I will say, you know, as I ramp up to get ready for my crash course for NBA DFS, 
one thing that I'll be looking at is the playoff implications to, to see how many teams are treating these eight games like basically preseason, right? And that's going to impact minutes. Some of these starters that for some teams are going to not play as many minutes as they usually would. And some of these teams that are playing for that playoff seating, they might be running their starters like a normal game. So just want to provide that feedback for the listeners. I know I'm going to be deep diving into it as usual for uh, DraftKings. Um, but Dalton, let's get your, your takes, man. Just like take this where you want, but any playoff predictions or any um, surprise teams that you think might've benefited from the, from the break, um, just take this how you want and go with it. Well, I think, uh, and I mean, I'm going to talk about a few other teams too, but uh, I'm going to get back to my home team here. You know, the, the Mavs, they, they're one of the teams that they really are going to benefit from this four month layoff because beforehand they were already 40 and 27 on the season. Uh, and that was with Luca had missed about 15 games somewhere around there. Uh, Chris Dops Porzingis, he didn't really have any injury issues, but he did miss about 15 games because of load management coming back from that uh, torn ACL. He was out for a long, a long time with, uh, but Luca, he was banged up. He's one of those players that he, he just endures so much contact on a nightly basis, just his style of play, real physical. Uh, so he was banged up, but he's fresh now. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of the, the Mavs have played two scrimmages now. I mean, he just looks amazing. Today he had 20 points, uh, 11 rebounds and nine assists in 24 minutes. <laughs> Damn. I mean, he's, he's fresh. He's ready to go. Uh, the rest of the guys are. They, the whole roster was banged up. And yet there they were in the seventh seed, 13 games over 500. So, and they had the best offense in the NBA, best offense in NBA history by the numbers. So, um, so that, that's one team that's, you know, that I really do think this, this layoff is going to help them. By the time the playoffs start, I don't expect them to be in the seventh seed. I think they'll at least, you know, be up to fifth and they could potentially make it up to fourth too. But uh, just looking at the standings here, I mean, I think the uh, the Clippers and the Lakers, you know, they were already favorites yeah. uh, before any of this got started. But, you know, the way Paul George is, you know, throughout the season he always has some nagging injuries he has to deal with. And I think Patrick Beverly was dealing with some stuff earlier in the season too. And, they're, you know, the Clippers, they're already – they're 12 deep. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're – they're pro- Doc Rivers, he'll probably only play, you know, he'll probably only go nine deep in his playoff rotation. But if he had to go 12, he could because they just have that kind of talent and those kind of veterans. But uh, they're at full strength. They're one reason why I want the Mavs to move up from seventh because that would be a worst-case scenario, first-round yeah. matchup for them. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to help them out. Definitely going to help, help the Lakers out. LeBron, he's not getting any younger. Uh, this is probably – this year, next year, probably one of his last chances to win a title as the guy. Uh, so I think it helps them out too. And now, as far as the East, I really don't know. I, if a team like uh, if Giannis and the Bucks, if they ended up winning it all, or if uh, say uh, the Boston Celtics got hot and got to the finals, and won, it wouldn't really shock me but it's not what I'm expecting. I think it's definitely going to be somebody out of the West that takes it all this year. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, I will say I'm 
I'm pro Clippers over Lakers. And that's for, and it's not to undermine, it's not, I'm not undermining the Lakers, what they've done. I just look at my take when I watch basketball and what I've seen over the past few years. And I look at this Clippers roster. I think they're going to be built for the versatility of switching all screens. They they just have so many long, like with Kawhi and Paul George and Pat Beverly as your perimeter defense that can also guard the post. Again, I don't want to undersell LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis's greatness, but I think the Clippers are my favorite, and the East is just kind of a crap shot. I mean, I, I mean, I know the Bucks are the favorite, but something tells me the Bucks could very easily find themselves in a in a in a dog fight that goes seven games, or you know, something that I don't think the Bucks are going to have an easy route because I think right now they're in the history books for one of the best regular season teams ever. So, yeah, they. As far as the Clippers, you know, they the Clippers, they just don't have hardly any weaknesses. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 Mavs have played them twice already this season, so I've I've watched those games uh, specifically, and just the whole it's just like being thrown into a blender, just mm-hmm. a meat blender. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's for the most part this season. You know, he's been otherworldly. He's almost averaging a thirty-point triple-double, and then next thing you know, he's you know really struggling against Kawhi and Paul George, and then you've got Patrick Beverly throwing it. You know, all, three or four guys they can just throw at him one after the other, and it wears you down. So, I'm with you. I I, I definitely think Clippers over Lakers. Uh, that's probably going to end up being the the Western Conference Finals. Uh, but like I said, you know, a team like Dallas that has the number one offense in the league, and by the numbers, it's the number one offense in history. It's it's more efficient than even that uh, that Warriors offense with Kevin Durant and uh, Steph Curry and everything. So I mean, they're fresh, and if they can move up in the standings, I mean, this is unprecedented unprecedented territory for everybody yeah. in the NBA bubble. So I think that some crazy stuff could happen. I'm ready to I'm ready to get it started. The real games start uh this upcoming weekend. So we'll see. Yeah. First game, I think first night's Thursday, right? We have two games and then I have a full slate of games Friday, if I'm if I'm correct there. And I'll have I'm not sure how much DFS I'm gonna play on Thursday, but I'm definitely gonna be taking a look. I know my favorite lineup that the Clippers run out, I just think so deadly is the uh, the Pat Bev, Lou Williams, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Montrez Harrell. It's a little small ball, but I don't mean I don't know, man. It's just I, that's my favorite. And then I will tell you this: my off the wall teams for I guess my sleepers, if I had to pick them, or um, for the West, is actually the Dallas Mavs. Um, I just think with what Luca's doing right now, and if if you haven't had the opportunity to watch Luca, a lot of our um, listeners maybe you're stuck on some of the stars like LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, but Luca is is just his own um, his own. I don't even know how to say it. He's not the most athletic superstar. But he's, he's like been top, he's been a top five player in the league this year. Which absolutely. Is, I mean, it. I think if you if you have a top five player in the league and you have a coach like Rick Carlisle and an offense that's as efficient as what they've been, I think it makes sense to have them as a sleeper. I don't. I mean, you have a guy like that, you're going to have a chance every night when you're on the court, no matter who you're playing. Yeah, I, I, and I think he's man. Them getting rested is huge and. And for Luca, I'm trying to find a way to not call like he's not that he's not athletic. It's just that he's so skilled that he is able to do things that other guys can't do on the court. I don't think it's athleticism. Maybe that is skilled the right word. 
he controls his his own pay. Like he he'll make because I you know the scrimmage the other day against the Lakers, he blew past Kyle Kuzma and did a ball fake to keep LeBron from coming over to block the shot and dunked it. It was a pretty athletic dunk too. So he can do that when he wants to, but most of the time he's playing at a slower pace and you know he controls it. He he's real deliberate with his movements and everything. And uh, so, I mean, he, like you said, he's not the most athletic guy out there, but he's capable and he can switch gears whenever he wants to. And I think that's what gives him the most success. You know, he'll be going slow at one point and then he'll, you know, jab step another way and leave his defender in the dust. So, yeah, he's got a little bit of like old man game in him, too. I mean, when I think about guys like Chris Paul when they come off the ball screen and guys like Paul Pierce that know how to use spacing to their advantage and how to use their body. He kind of has that same – and he's so young, but he already has that. So, just my thoughts. I mean, he, he was – he joined Real Madrid when he was 13 years old. So, he, obviously, he wasn't playing on the A team then, but he was he was thrust into that situation, into that culture, that setting – from such an early age, he's been playing with grown men since then. Uh, you know, he won the the uh, the Euroleague title right before he flew over to the U.S. for the draft. And, you know, he just at 18 years old, he was doing that, and he's playing with grown men. And Real Madrid, I mean, they're, you know, from everything, everybody I've talked to and everything I've seen, you know, everybody said that Real Madrid is probably the best uh, foreign team, you know, outside of the NBA. Like, if you're looking for a league outside of the NBA as far as, like, high-quality, high-level basketball, he was playing on the, the best team, and he became the best team over there. He became their best player. So, I mean, he's, he's just a prodigy. He's had it from the beginning. He has stuff you can't teach. And like he said, he's 21, so it's pretty crazy. He's he's just going to keep getting better going forward. But, yeah, to, to those of you out there who haven't watched him yet uh, or just, you know, haven't seen a lot of Luka, I would definitely, you know, just go to YouTube and type in Luka Doncic highlights. You're, you're going to be impressed. Yeah, for sure, man. I know I'm, I'm loving the new wave of athletes we have coming up. And I don't really understand the people that are, um, you know, that think it's going to tank after LeBron because, to me, there's, there's plenty to like, including him. Um, so uh, even LeBron, you know, throughout last year and this year, even LeBron has said the league is in a great place. You know, you've got so many good young guys. You know, uh, I think, you know, the top tier is probably, you know, Luca, Zion, Morant, uh, Jason Tatum, Trey Young. I mean, you can just keep going on. I mean, the, the league's in great hands. And even guys like LeBron, who he's dominated the league since – he came in in 2003. He believes it, so I don't know why other people wouldn't. Yeah, and you got to give some. Uh, I got to stand up for my guy right now. Uh, I'm a huge Pascal Sycom fan. He's uh, somebody that I've been on. Man, when he was a bench player, I was telling everybody he was going to be a star. That's probably my best call of all time in NBA's. I think. Yeah. And I, speaking of that, if I had to pick a sleeper in the East, I'd pick the Raptors. That that sounds so weird because they won the title, but obviously when you lose Kawhi. You know, people are going to doubt you a little bit, but they have a lot of experience on that team. And he uh, uh, is it Siakam? Yeah, Siakam. Yeah, Siakam. You know, a lot of people have doubted them, but they've got a lot of experience. Uh, even before Kawhi Leonard made it over there, those guys were 
you know, a really good playoff team. They just couldn't get past LeBron. Uh, so, I mean, I, if, if they ended up coming out of the East, it wouldn't really shock me. Uh, they're definitely a sleeper, but I could see it. Yeah, I think the East is wide open. And they're my – the two teams I was going to bring up for the East was Toronto, who we just talked about. I think with, with, with Pascal Siakam, you got Kyle Lowry as a veteran. But the two guys I was high on with them before the Kawhi stuff was Siakam and then Fred Van Vliet. I was huge on him in college. And everyone thought he would just be a role player in the NBA. And he's really turned it on to another like, whole level. So, I just love, I love those guys. Um, the other team, I wanted to get your take on the East. This is my sleeper. Um, and I'll bring this back and tie it into the Mavs uh, here in a second. But if we can ever see the Pacers put this backcourt together of Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo, I think they could make a little bit of noise in the East. Well, yeah, I, you know, that's actually – that's who the Mavs played today in their scrimmage. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the starters didn't play the full game and everything, but they're really good. You know, Oladipo, he came out – I don't know how many threes he hit, but he was pulling up from like 35, <laughs> nailing threes. And Brogdon, he's real good. You know, he kind of – Brogdon has a little bit of uh, that same style of, of play as Luca does as far as how he moves around and he's real patient and, you know, just he takes his time getting to where he wants to go. He, he kind of reminds me of Luca in that way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Pacers, they're really good. And then you got uh, Miles Turner down there. He can shoot threes, block shots. Sabonis. Um, uh, Sabonis, uh, uh, he he wasn't there. They said he had like a foot injury or something. I don't know. I don't know if he's out for the entire – I mean, uh, if he's out, then I'm probably out on my take. But <laughs> I saw he, he had some kind of foot injury. I don't remember if he's out for the full time, but that's going to hurt them a little bit. But, they're, I mean, still, though, the Pacers – they're going. They're a good team. I mean, I could yeah. definitely see them, you know, going to the second round and possibly having an upset. You know, get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I think that the the the, the underdogs that'll get some love are possibly them. Uh, you'll see the Raptors get a little bit of love from maybe a couple of sports bets. But another uh, the unknown commodity and the team that frustrates me the most is the Seventy Sixers who. Had this weird, like, I mean, they have the talent level to be a championship team, but to me, I'm not a believer that the the combination of Simmons and Embiid will work. I know a lot of people say that, but I've watched so much basketball, and to me, it's just unless Simmons miraculously developed a three pointer, which I saw clips of him shooting one, um, I don't really. I'm down on the 76ers. What's your take? I think. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. I've, I've always thought. Uh, they just needed to surround those guys with shooters. Uh, I didn't like it when they let uh, J.J. Reddick go. They did, they let T.J. McConnell go. He's on the Pacers now. Really good player for them. I don't know if you've seen that uh, that uh, that meme where it's like Spider-Man pointing at each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, posted that earlier today, and I said, this is J.J. Barea versus T.J. McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. I like that. Same player, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't like them letting him go or JJ Reddick go, and you know they they let Butler go, but they did a sign and trade for Josh Richardson, so that helped a little bit. But just overall, they're just uh, they're lacking the three point shooting that I think it takes, you know, to get you far in the playoffs right now. Because I mean, like you said, Ben Simmons, he's not going to be shooting threes, or if he is, he's not going to be shooting a lot of them, and. 
he's still got a long ways to go. Embiid, he can he can make threes, but he's I mean he doesn't shoot a good percentage. I think he's under thirty percent uh, on threes overall. So you know they're two best guys. They can't shoot threes. Embiid when he wants to dominate, he can you know nobody can stop him. But he kind of goes through these lulls where he just he doesn't seem interested sometimes or gets frustrated and you know loses his train of thought. So. But overall, I mean, the potential's there. They just have to they have to put together. it together, and I think they're still just missing a couple pieces. Yeah, I know my take on them is Embiid has done – has been more dominant and better to me than, than Simmons in spurts. But in my opinion, the, the 76ers' best, best path forward would be to unload the big man. I know this is crazy. This, this probably sounds crazy. Some people do get rid of the big guy that's probably injury prone and then just open the whole court up to Simmons and let him run the show and then have them have him surrounded by four shooters and let him kind of like the LeBron method, right? So you have surround LeBron with shooting or, I mean, even, even the Mavs are trying to kind of do that with Luca, just try to get some shooting on the, on the court. And uh, I think the, that Simmons is only going to be successful in that environment, but I don't know who they end up moving or I think they're going to try and try and try until it's, until it's run on empty and then maybe a year or two from now they, they move on from one of them. But that's my take is go with Simmons and change the offense to a running gun and space space the floor out. Yes, it's definitely the way the league is, is trending. And as dominant as Embiid can be at times, he's not – I don't think he's going to be – He's. Ever, I don't think he's ever going to get to the point where he's going to be hitting threes at a rate that's going to, you know, make him a, a real successful – piece in a running gun style of offense you know the I've told a lot of people this but what Mike D'Antoni's doing in Houston like they have PJ Tucker playing center right now yeah uh but you know what they're trying to do and the Mavs are doing it too it's just when you have a seven foot three unicorn that can you know handle the ball like a guard you know, they're technically – they're playing the same style as Houston is. They just don't have to sacrifice size because of the, the players they have. But uh, that's the way it's trending. Uh, unless you have a guy like KP who can play center but also run the court back and forth and uh, block shots, hit threes, you know, take people off the dribble, stuff like that, uh, you know, you're going to get – you're going to get left in the dust. The, the days of the old school center, you know, it's – he – Embiid, he might dominate in the playoffs, but I can guarantee you, you know, they're, they're not going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals if that's all they're doing is force-feeding him the whole way through because eventually the three-pointers are going to catch up and they're just not like, – like the Boston Celtics, they have enough three-point shooters to where I just don't think uh, the style of play that the Sixers have right now, I don't think they'd be able to beat them in a seven-game series. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think we both had the same questions about the Sixers, but we definitely don't doubt the, the talent. So they, they have the talent. They have the potential. They just uh, they just need to do a little bit better job, you know, surrounding their two stars. They need to acknowledge their weaknesses and try to, you know, plug the holes around them. Right, right, for sure. Well, before we let you go, man, I do want to ask a few Mavs specific questions because I know you're a Mavs specialist and. Um, I know I, I couldn't let you escape without asking some Mavs questions. Um, I, so, probably, I probably overstepped my my Mavs talking points anyway at this point. So I mean, we I can't deny I can't deny the fact that we have um, that we both like them as the West sleeper, even though I don't really even consider them a sleeper, but they they kind of are. So uh, I think it was unavoidable. Um, <laughs> so there's a Mavs, lot of people 
there's a lot of people, you know, that have called them. I saw somebody, I think it was The Ringer, you know, they put out a, a article here recently saying that, you know, they were a, a final sleeper. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the, I'm like the, you know, super optimistic Mavs guy over here. But, you know, I didn't think I'd see somebody like that predicting it too. So I'm rolling with it. Yeah, I want to see him get that six spot. Who would they face as – who would be the likely three there, the Rockets or who would they so, so, right now, you have the Lakers at one, you have the Clippers at two, and then I, I'm pretty sure Denver's at three. Uh, and then the the Rockets, they're actually they're actually at a six. So, they're, really? they're, they're only one spot ahead. We're only – Mavs are only a game and a half behind the, the Rockets in the sixth spot. And OKC. OKC is tied with the Rockets there. So, if the Mavs got up to six, they'd be playing the the Nuggets in the first round, which I think would be a very favorable matchup for them. They played the Nuggets very well this season. Yeah, and, and just so for my reference here, because I thought the Rockets were for some reason the three, but Denver makes sense. In three through six or three through seven, in it all like within a game or two or a couple games. It's, it's uh, if you'll bear with me just a second, I I just had it pulled up a. Let me see here. So, from the Clippers in the second seed down to the Rockets in the sixth seed, there's a four-game gap. Yeah. You go down a spot, if you go from Denver in the third seed down to Houston in the sixth spot, it's a it's a two-and-a-half game gap. So, <laughs> right. we're an eight-game seeding period. I mean, you, you could really see some stuff get mixed up. I could see the Mavs playing any of, you know, the Clippers, the Nuggets – possibly the Jazz, you know, anything could happen. So I'm going to put this on record for us. I think me and you agree that if the Mavericks get a playoff matchup that does not include the Clippers or the Lakers, we would like them in a uh, series bet to possibly win that series. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely take them. Yeah. Because uh, I – even even like Utah, Utah is given if, if some if something happened and they ended up playing the Jazz, that would be another team that's kind of giving them trouble throughout mm-hmm. this season. But you know, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, he he's out for the season. One of my was, favorites, by the way. Yeah, I wanted the Mavs to sign him uh, last summer, and they they just couldn't do it. But uh, he's out. He's arguably their their third best player. So uh, yeah. He was supposed to be the guy that's their scores for them outside of Mitchell. You know, it's supposed to be their scorer, but he's clutch too. He's got the clutch gene. He he won a couple of games at the buzzer for them this this past season. But uh, but yeah, I, I think if the Mavs end up playing anybody other than I know they won't play the Lakers in the first round because I just I don't think it's possible they'll fall down to eighth. But if they can avoid the Clippers, I definitely take the Mavs in the first round. They're they're fresh. They've got the best offense in the league. And like I said, you have Luca, top five player this year. Uh, I, I like his chances every every time he's on the court. For sure, I, I think that we just put the garage guys stamp of approval on that. So if you're listening to this for sports betting, um, maybe if you see a NBA playoff series price for the Mavericks and anybody but those two teams, lock it in and um, tweet at us angry. Watch out for Seth Curry, too, because he's also fresh. You know, he gets overlooked because of his brother. But, you know, in that first scrimmage the other day, he went eight for eight. He went six of six from three. 
he he's a uh, you know he was already shooting like 45 percent from three on the season playing with Luca he gets a ton of open shots and he can go off any night so that's so there's your DFS sleeper for DraftKings yeah. I'm gonna play him on opening night or their first game who they play the first game they play the Rockets so there's gonna be a lot of three-point shooting so I'm gonna play him. He's gonna be my value put my value pick at probably he's probably point guard, shooting guard eligible in DraftKings and probably shooting guard on FanDuel. I have to check that. But uh, look for him to be a guy to fill out your roster if you have like a stars and scrubs approach. I know he'd be a, a good option. Um let's see, where did I want to go with this? Oh yeah. So let's talk about Porzingis, because you know, I'm a big NBA guy. I watch free agency. I, I watch how teams mesh. And Porzingis has been, like, probably your, one of your biggest topics of conversation because there's been some inconsistency some inconsistency there. And we've seen him dominate when he was with the Knicks. Uh, but he's kind of second fiddle to Luka. And maybe um, we see him kind of come into form here at the bubble. I don't know. Where, where are you at with, with Chris Tapps? I know, it's, I know it's too early for guys that actually take their time and watch like me and you, but people love to judge on Twitter. So where are you at with how he's doing? Well, okay, so before this season started, they traded for him last year, and he could have – he was healthy enough where he could have played out that season, but the Mavs, they weren't going to make the playoffs. They were basically tanking at that point to try to get a, a – uh, better pick, which, you know, they ended up not keeping their pick anyway. But uh, so when he played, when the season started, it had been almost two years since he had ever, since he had played. Uh, and so we knew it would take him a little bit of time to mesh and get used to playing with Luca. And, you know, Rick Carlisle, he doesn't have the easiest, you know, system to get accustomed to. And it's probably a lot more complex than anything that, you know, Porzingis had gotten used to in New York. Uh, so we knew it would take a little bit of time, and there were some uh, hiccups early on in the season. And, you know, when we hit February, that's when it really started to click for him. And he was averaging – I, I had to look up the numbers, but I'm, he was averaging like uh, 27, 13, and like three blocks per game since February until, the, until when the season uh, was suspended. So he had really started to turn it on. Uh, he looked really good in that first scrimmage the other day, really fresh. I mean, I I think he's really going to explode in this uh, Orlando bubble situation. And then the first game is against the Rockets. He has, he has gone off every time they've played the Rockets this season because, like I said, they have P.J. Tucker <laughs> PJ playing center. Playing center. Yeah. Now, the first time they played the Rockets this season, it was Capella, and that still didn't matter. KP yeah. still got anything he wanted, so – he likes playing against the Rockets, um, but like I said, he's been on a tear since early February. So uh, he's definitely figuring it out. He has the potential, you know, to be an equal part superstar with Luka, in my opinion. Now, he's not there yet. He has a lot of, you know, work to do and everything. But, you know, I could see him, you know, potentially getting to that same level as Luka and taking it to a whole other level in the coming years. So. For sure. Yeah, I think the jury's still out for me, man. I just think it's too early to judge. Um, I know a lot of people have been kind of critical of him, but the head, you know the, the the talent is undeniable, but it's the it's the health that you have to watch because every every injury he's had has been on the left side of his body. Mm -hmm. So that's that's usually a red, a red flag. But 
you know, for the most part, the Mavs have rested him on second nights of back-to-backs, and, you know, they've kept kept him healthy for the most part this year. So, fingers crossed. But I think that's the biggest biggest question is if he can stay healthy. Yeah, and for me, too, it's kind of a role thing because, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, with Luca, you want the ball in his hands as much as possible, in my opinion. So, there is a little bit of a role thing. Or like when In New York, they were so bad that he was the go-to guy at the end. Um, so, I think it just takes time. I think it takes time for anybody to be that number two. And not that, again, I think he can be that co-star, but it's always going to be a little bit more Luca for me and having the ball in his hands. So, Yeah, um, and he could get better. You know, I, I saw somebody – I follow a lot of Mavs people. I saw somebody talk about it uh, earlier today. But when he sets screens, you know, he has a tendency to slip. Mm-hmm. Uh, sooner than he should you know if he can if he can ever learn to set a good hard screen and roll or pop at the right time it's gonna it's gonna click and it's gonna be great but you know he still he still has a couple of tendencies you know from the New York New York days he might take a contested mid-range jump shot when he should really you know try to pass it out or you know reset something like that but I, I see what you're saying you know you definitely want Luca to have the ball in his hands as much as possible. Uh, I think if they can get that two-man game working, though, Luke is yeah. one of those guys. He doesn't care if he averages under 20 points a game as long as he's winning. Uh, you know, <laughs> he'd be fine averaging 20 assists per game if he could. So, yeah. I, I, you know, it's just year one, and I, I think it has the potential to be really good. Like you said, you know, the jury's still out, and that's a fair stance to have. A lot of people still, you know, think that way too, but – uh, if he can stay healthy, I think it'll be good things going forward. Yeah, for sure. And there's very few teams that are in that six to seven seed range that have a one-two punch like that. So just going back to our point that they could be an underdog to look to to place a bet on or something like that. Um, but yeah, then wrapping up, I got one last question for you. I know we went longer than anticipated, but that's probably because me and you love talking hoops. So uh, I, I, I do this all the time. I could go forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we appreciate having you on. Hopefully somebody that is either not into NBA is now more interested or hopefully if you are somebody that's been waiting for us to talk more basketball, this is probably a perfect episode for you. But last question I'll ask you is, are you um, – do you do any of the daily fantasy stuff or any sports or do you play uh, NBA 2K, anything you um, do outside of writing for, for the Mavs? Well, I don't do any uh, – very little fantasy stuff. I, I really need to get back into it, but – I just haven't had the time to, and uh, but I mean, as far as 2K goes, I'm a big 2K fan. Uh, I get it every year it comes out. Uh, I do kind of wish they'd, uh, you know, tweak the gameplay a little bit more instead of yeah. focusing on the the my park and the. Hundred percent agree. <laughs> my, agree. My career stuff. They, they they need to switch back over to enhancing the gameplay part of it to where I can throw a full court pass without it sailing out of bounds. Because <laughs> <laughs> that just that hardly ever happens in the NBA. Yeah, I'm um, so old school, man. Like, I just want to be able to go hit uh, Xbox Live, quick play, pick a team, and I want to play somebody and, like, the gameplay to be ideal and play competitively. I mean, I used to play very competitively in, in 2K, got into one of the top leagues. But now it's all going to the, um, like, the featured my park, my player. Yeah. Um, and – and now it's like I think you can do five on five and everybody you control one player and that's not my cup of tea. So me either. I'm a I'm a, you know I do like the quick play option, but my my thing that I do the most is the uh, my league or my GM mode, and you know you can get a team like a bottom dweller team and 
you know, try to build up to a contender, stuff like that. So that that's that's my cup of tea with 2K. Uh, yeah. But like I said, I they just they've gotten to a point now where they're they're so popular and everybody they know everybody's going to buy the game anyway. So they just don't put as much effort into uh, tweaking the gameplay. They just add sweat to the players. Yeah. <laughs> Say that the graphics have improved, but that's so true. But with the new consoles coming out, the new Xbox, new PlayStation, everything, that supposedly they have tweaked some things. Uh, but we'll see. I mean. Are you I'll, Xbox or PlayStation? I'm Xbox, but I'm seriously considering moving to PlayStation once okay. the Xbox comes out. Gotcha. Well, we'll have to get um, – I know we've talked about it prior to this, but me and you will have to get on Xbox and do a couple games or something. And maybe yeah, – uh, Sure, man. I know one of my long-term ideas, not yet to be announced, but eventually I, what I want to do is I want to merge um, like NBA DFS talk like for Daily Fantasy into me streaming myself play 2K and I'm giving out advice while I'm playing. That's one of my long-term ideas is, you yeah. know, a lot of people do videos where they're streaming themselves talking and it gets boring, but what if you're playing 2K and just interacting with um, your listeners and subscribers? Yeah, that That'd be I've I've seen people do that before. If I had the if I had the bandwidth to do that, I'd probably do it too. But you should definitely look into it. It'd be interesting for sure. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard. I can't find enough time in the day right now. But I wanted to eventually do that. So, um, well, appreciate you having you on, man. Um, I know that you you're doing great work. And go ahead and plug your Twitter handle and your podcast one more time. And I highly yeah. recommend you guys go ahead and listen to it. I know it's I've listened to several episodes and they're great. So, yeah, and I know uh, my personal. Twitter is at Dalton underscore Trig. Our podcast is the Mavs Step Back Podcast. It's at Step Back Mavs on Twitter. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. I know, I know, all of our you know weekly listeners, all of our fans, they're going to be uh, excited to listen to this too. So just let me know when it comes out. We'll, we'll be sure to spread it. Awesome, appreciate it, man. Well, good deal. We'll um, we'll get this sent out and uh, have you back on eventually if you're uh, open to it. Appreciate it. Sounds good. I'll definitely come back on, man. I really appreciate it. Sounds good, dude. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dalton Trigg. I know I did. Um, it was great to talk basketball a little bit for the NBA return, the bubble return. And if you're here from from Dalton's podcast, checking it out, I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it. Would love to have you subscribe here. A lot of what we do is, is sports betting and DFS content related. I know between me and the normal co-host Chase we have um, over 15 tournament wins and DraftKings so if that's something that interests you um, stick around shoot me a DM if, if DraftKings NBA is of interest to you and um, and we also work with Rotoballer so it's a good time to, to go over to rotoballer.com and use code garage if you subscribe to the premium content um, it has all your needs covered season long fantasy sports or daily fantasy for DraftKings or FanDuel Roto Ballers are a one-stop shop for all of that, so be sure to, to, to check that out. I know they have over 100 riders that, that put up content, and then also they have great tools like a lineup optimizer that helps you, you know, piece together your lineups and, and look at projections and things that maybe you wouldn't do on your own. So uh, I know we've been crushing the, the NASCAR season, so Chase and I have been getting several DMs from people that are following us on this podcast or follow our content over at Roto Baller. Um, so if you're new here, uh, came for the Dalton Trig interview, I'd uh, love to have you stay and support our content. It means the world to, to me and Chase. And if you're a, a usual listener, 
uh, don't worry. The NASCAR content will come back. Be looking um, at our Twitter feed for, for updates on when the Rotoballer preview video will be up for New Hampshire. And um, we have a lot of interviews coming up, a lot of guest appearances, uh, other drivers, maybe some musicians. Um, I know we're going to have we're trying to get Big Baby Scumbag back on the podcast. He's a rapper that uh, has embraced the NASCAR world and he's a um, be a reoccurring guest so we've looking to have big baby scumbag back on the back on the episode and um yeah that's a show um looking forward to having chase back it's the first time i've actually hosted one so it was an enjoyable experience but looking forward to having him back so uh as he closes it out usually i'll do my best sports party repeat it's the garage guys. 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 It's 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 the garage guys. It's it's the garage guys.